probably 90% of people don't have a hundred thousand plus dollars laying around. So right. most people have to get a mortgage. Not everybody has to have a realtor to purchase a home. Definitely recommend it. I always 100% recommend having a realtor, but technically you can find your own home. Um, but the mortgage side of it really is that most important piece because you can find a hundred homes, um, maybe not now in this market, but <laughs> you can find a hundred homes. But if that financing, like if the money isn't there and just tie, tying back and going back to before, you know, the money and the responsibility of, you know, being financial fit, if that portion isn't there, um, even taking it a step further, if the credit isn't there for you to be able to qualify for a mortgage, um, that really is that bridge from you finding that home and actually getting into it. I am creating a Patreon. A Patreon is essentially like an exclusive community. Supporters, their fans, they come in one area and they get extra stuff. So I have three different tiers and it is a membership. So you have to pay a small fee per month to be a part of the Patreon. But what I am giving compared to what you have to pay per month, pennies compared to what I am giving. Please click the link in the description box. I am so, so, so excited. It's just gonna be so dope. And like I said, if you like my free content now, baby, the Patreon. <laughs> if you're on YouTube, you can see what I'm doing, but <laughs> if you're listening on podcast, I'm basically saying like, it's just up a whole nother level. Get your water and keep some wine. I should have had some wine. With exposure, execution, and consistency, there is nothing you can't do. Just keep planting. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode on the Responsible Homegirl podcast. My name is Kiani, and of course, I am the Responsible Homegirl. And this is a space that I have created so young adults can become financially responsible and wealth conscious. So the way that we do that is one, sharing financial education, and then two, interviewing amazing entrepreneurs who are building their wealth through business. So today I have a very special treat for y'all because we always glamorize home ownership, the house hunting process, all of that good stuff. But a deal will not go through without these two ladies. So I can't wait to dive in jump into this conversation. But before we get into all of that, can both of you introduce yourselves and just tell my community a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and all of that good stuff? Uh, my name is Jaleesa Causey. I am a mortgage loan officer assistant with Legacy Lending Mortgage Group under Lakeisha Johnson Armstrong. Um, the business is located in South Carolina, and um, I'm currently in New Jersey. Um, and I'm interested in helping all homeowners, um, potential homeowners, get a home if that is what they're interested in. Absolutely. Um, I am Lakeisha Johnson Armstrong. As Lisa um, has stated, I, I am the loan officer. I am in South Carolina. Um, I own Legacy Lending Mortgage Group. Um, myself, Jalisa, and about what are we up to now 20 other ladies um, <laughs> um i'm sorry say that again no i said that was so good that's so good. oh yeah um we are in the process of building a, a an empire 
um, of beautiful ladies who um, are going to be in the lending. Um, for me, I've been a loan officer for some time. I had never seen, I never knew what a loan officer did, never heard of one. Um, like you said, when I thought of real estate, I knew of a realtor. Um, so just to cut the story short, got intrigued in helping my aunt purchase a home. And um, I decided like, well, not decided. I had a very, very special person, my mentor, Sandra Mandeville, um, Sam, I always shout her out everywhere I go, said, this is something that you you should do. Um, and I got intrigued with it. Like I, I really, really got intrigued. It became a passion of mine. Um, I started being a loan officer myself. I'm a researcher by nature. So I started researching and then eventually, like I had a, a vision that I didn't want to be the only person with this information, like that there has to be other people who have no clue, just like me, that this even exists, that they can work from home, that they can be a, a loan officer, that they can help people. I set out to, you know, really inform people and kind of just test the waters and see who else may be interested. And lo and behold, um, God blessed me with an amazing group of ladies who were like, yeah, like we're interested. And um, the rest is like literally history. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much. And before we get into all of this information about mortgage lending, um, I always start off the podcast with just asking my guests, what is one irresponsible financial decision that you've ever made? And while y'all think about your answers, I'm going to tell you why I always ask that. Um, okay. I have a brand called The Responsible Homegirl, but Kiani didn't just arrive here. Like, I am the recovered, irresponsible homegirl. So I want to show or, like, literally tell everybody that's listening to my podcast, like, it doesn't matter where you start. It's about how you finish. So I want to hear from both of you ladies. What is at least one irresponsible financial decision that you've ever made? Um, I would say, uh, I would say not filing my taxes for about two years mm. and I'm wanting to file them, but I did it. And then having to, when I wanted to become a tax preparer, um, I took the classes, signed on with the company, paid my money, did all these things. And I ran into that block and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I probably need to take care of, you know, my situation with the IRS first. Um, so I would say for me, that was like probably one of my biggest um, financial irresponsibilities that I just, I knew the importance of it, but um, I guess I didn't really like take into consideration how it would affect me, how it would affect my career um and different things like that so can I get on your business just a little bit so why, yeah, were, why were you <laughs> filing your taxes was it because like I don't want to assume so tell me why weren't you filing your taxes um I didn't file my taxes um I was I got married and we were supposed to be filing our taxes together well I had my things together but my partner did not Mm. And so kept pushing it back and pushing it back. It was 2015. Um, and I realized I'm like, okay, 2015 has went by. 2016 has went by. And um, I wanted to become a tax preparer. And one of the things I learned was 
you have two years. Like after that second year, you know, yeah. it's pretty hard to to do anything. Um, and so that was my reason. And I went on ahead and started filing by myself because I'm like, you know, I can't make someone else do something, but I need to make sure that, you know, I take care of my financial duties. And so that was my reasoning for not filing, but I did get to take care of. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Okay, Lakeisha, your irresponsible financial decision. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I, I can tell you off top. Um, when I first started working, I, I came from being like spoiled rotten. So like my parents, my aunts and uncles, um, my grandmother, everybody spoiled me. So when I first started working, I just worked because it was the thing to do. Like not because I had to, it was just one of those, like, I just want to work. I don't want to be right. And I blew every single paycheck that I got for like two years straight, like literally as soon as I got paid and I I was getting paid well because my first job was I I was a manager. And at the time, the salary was like $40,000. And back in 07, 08, like that was like, you know, and I didn't have any bills. Like I, I had no bills. Like I didn't pay anything. The only thing I paid for was to put gas in my car. I drove a little 97 Honda. So gas was like $30 and it lasts me two weeks. Right. Every single week that I would get paid, I would go to dealers and buy two or three coach purses. I had to have the wallet. Um, and then it's, it flipped over to Ed Hardy. I don't know if you guys remember Christian Audigier and Ed Hardy came out. I was crazy over it. I took every single paycheck, every single pay period Every single time, blew the entire the entire check. Didn't save anything because I had the mentality of gonna get it right back. Like I, I don't have any bills. I, I don't. What do I need to save for? And um, it wasn't until I met my husband and we had a family, and then you know I had to be an adult right. and I had bills and things like that. Until that mindset was changed, but like for two straight years, man, I, I bought out and, and spent every dime. And I just think like didn't know anything about a 401k or anything like that. So I just I even to this day think about it like, man, during that time, and I have before becoming a manager, like worked at that same company for like two years. Um, so like even then I was thinking that like I was there maybe five, six years total. I could have had a 401k and really just, you know, had a four savings, even if I was doing that. So that's one of the biggest regrets of my life is that I didn't just take some of that or at least have a 401k. But, you know, I, I was never taught that. Yeah. Didn't know, you know, that I needed to, to do that. So just irresponsible, young and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for your stories and for everybody listening, like, Two things that I need y'all to get from this. One, pay your taxes, please. Absolutely. The IRS <laughs> is going to come for you. Come <laughs> pay your taxes. And then the second thing um, is really managing your money because mm-hmm. you really have to be faithful with what you have right now, especially if you're wanting more. And then something key that stood out to me was like, you didn't know a thing about a 401k. And I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure there's somebody listening to this right now. You probably just graduated from college, you have a full-time job, but you're not contributing to your 401k. Look into that. Get details about if your company even offers a 401k. Ask them, do they provide a company match? And all of that means is whatever you put in, they might match it up to a certain percent. So I'm telling y'all, y'all don't want to miss out on the opportunity to prepare for your future selves and not just focus on what you got going on right now. Right. So now, ladies, let's transition into mortgage lending. 
Can you tell me more about mortgage lending and how important it is within the home buying process? This episode is being sponsored by Saturday School. On March 19th, I'll be hosting the first ever Saturday School, teaching you all how I make thousands off of a product I don't own by wholesaling mobile homes. Just imagine that, a great side hustle that you don't have to invest money in, but you can make thousands off of. Come on now. Make sure you go register for Saturday School. The link is below in the description box, or you can go to theresponsiblehomegirl.com and register to make sure that your spot is secure. There are only 20 spots, so if you are interested in wholesaling mobile homes and, like I said, earning thousands off of a product that you don't own, make sure you register. Let's get back into the episode. Um, yes, yes, definitely. Um, like we touched on before, when people think about buying a home instantly, I, me as well, initially, you know, they think of a realtor. They don't know what loan officers is. They don't know, you know, the steps of getting prepared. They just know I want to buy a home. Let me just call a realtor. You know, most people right now, just off the top of your head, especially since COVID, like there's, there's been a lot of people who become agents, um, but probably off, off the top of most people's head, either directly or indirectly, they know at least five agents that they can just rattle off, like whether they personally know them or just, you know, they, they've come in contact with or something like that. Um, loan office is not so much. Um, so people don't know about the mortgage side and they don't, I don't think really understand that, you know, yes, you can purchase a home, um, without having a mortgage, you know, with cash, but probably 90% of people don't have a hundred thousand plus dollars laying around. So most people have to get a mortgage, unfortunately, to purchase a home. Um, not everybody has to have a realtor to purchase a home. Definitely recommend it. I always 100% recommend having a realtor, but technically you can find your own home. Um, but the mortgage side of it really is that most important piece because you can find a hundred homes, uh, maybe not now in this market, but <laughs> you can find a hundred homes. But if that financing, like if the money isn't there and just tie, tying back and going back to before, you know, the money and the responsibility of, you know, being financial fit, if that portion isn't there, um, even taking it a step further, if the credit isn't there for you to be able to qualify for a mortgage, um, that really is that bridge from you finding that home and actually getting into it. More so preparing for that stage because there are a lot of steps and, you know, things to get there. But the, the mortgage part of it is kind of like the, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, do or die part. Yeah. And something critical that you said that kind of stood out to me was like being financially fit to even get a mortgage. So can y'all touch on that a little bit? Like if I just wanted a house tomorrow, can I just hit one of y'all up and go house hunting or go get a realtor and go house hunting? Can you tell me about like, what does it mean to get financially fit for a mortgage? By being financially fit means, so I tell everybody like, and, and when people think about getting a home, like mortgages are usually what they think about, or I'm sorry, credit. Um, credit is one part of it. Credit's like what gets your foot in the door. So it's like the, the entry ticket, so to speak. It's, it's like to get you in there. But that's not the end all be all. Like you do need to have some responsibility with credit, have decent credit, not great or perfect credit, but just to even start the conversation, you want to have that. So um, the, the credit is the first part. Being financially fit is your credit is a direct correlation of how well you manage debt and pay your bills on time. So if you're not paying your bills on time, if you're currently not paying your bills on time, 
um, purchasing a house is not should not be the focus getting financially, you know, literally getting someone who can really help you manage your debt, manage your bills, make sure you're paying the things that you have currently on time. So that when you do get to that portion, um, getting the home, you, you have those things in order because a lot of people, especially now, um, that credit repair and disputing and things are like, like that are out there. A lot of people aren't really understanding credit and how it works and how important it is to, to pay your bills on time and budget and things like that. So they're running to someone to fix their credit. They don't really see, they haven't changed their behaviors. They haven't started, you know, paying things on time, um, making sure that they understand those things. So their credit gets repaired or fixed, but they go right back into a hole, you know, whereas getting financially fit, getting in a position where you're paying your bills on time, where you're budgeting, you're cutting out unnecessary things because getting at home is a, a totally different ball game from, you know, just renting and not to stray anyone away from it, but it is a, a huge responsibility and you want to make sure before you go there, um, you know, you, you really have a, a set plan. You, you're able to budget. You're able to not spend frivolously how I did, you know, <laughs> just spend every paycheck and, and going to get it back, you know, next week, like those things. You want to set yourself up in a position to not only get a home, but to keep it and, and to not be house poor, which means you, you have a home and all you're doing is working to pay that mortgage and you can't really do anything else. Absolutely. Girl, so much to unpack there. The first thing, when we talk about credit, one thing that really stood out to me, you say credit just gets you in the door. It's like your little foot in the door. And for mm -hmm. me, what I always tell my community is we make credit so much bigger than what it is, but credit is all about trustworthiness. If I tell my mama, mom, let me hold $100 and I'm going to pay you back on Friday. If my mama don't see me for another two weeks, and then I'm at her door about some here, your hundred dollars. You think she's going to trust me? <laughs> because I told her that I was going to give her that money on Friday and 14 days done passed. So it's right. the same thing with these companies who we borrow from your car payment, your credit card debt, all of that stuff. So I want any, everybody listening, take the headache away from credit and literally pay your bills. Pay them <laughs> on time. Absolutely. <laughs> And then if you have a credit card, some of the like basic things that you can do is keep your utilization below 30% and pay off that balance every single month. Now, mm -hmm. moving forward, you said credit gets you in the door, mm -hmm. um, but what else do you need? Like savings, the, like your, your debt to income. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Definitely, definitely. So you hit the two things on, on the nails on the head. Um, savings. A lot of people you know, they, they hear down payment assistance or no money down programs. And they think like, oh, I'm gonna get a house with no money down. So I don't need any money. Um, and that's unrealistic. Yes, there are programs where you can get no money down. Yes, there's down, down payment assistance. But first and foremost, those programs, first off, are going to require you to have a de decent credit score. If they're going to give you money or they're going to give you these terms, they want to know that you're someone who's going to pay your bills on time. So again, the credit. Um, but not only that, with like those programs, sometimes there's income limits, meaning you can't make over a certain amount because they feel like if you make over a certain amount, you, you shouldn't have to qualify for down payment assistance or, you know, no down payment, um, things like that. So First off, a saving. Saving as much as you can. 
Um, again, a 401k, great for savings. You can use a 401k. Um, I like to tell people, think about it. Like when you're getting a 401k, it's, it's a retirement. It's what you plan to do after, you know, you stop working whenever. Well, one of the things a lot of people plan to do is pay their home off. So you have a 401k. It's a for savings. A lot of 401ks will let you withdraw or borrow from it to purchase a home. That means you don't have to come out of your pocket. So that's an option. You know, if you can't save, um, if you can't cut out some of the things that aren't necessary necessities, like, you know, those purses that I was getting when I got ready to be a responsible adult, I had to just, you know, this one purse for a month or two, you know, all of those things that are unnecessary saving because um, lenders want to see that you have money. Like they, they're going to lend you money, but they want to see that you're able to save and have some of your own. They don't want you to put up everything you have into purchasing this house. And then something happens in a month or two and you don't have any money like to, and they look at it like, how are you going to pay me back? So absolutely, definitely a savings. Even if you plan to get down payment assistance or no money down programs um, without going too, too in depth, there are things that you pay for upfront independently of when you get to the closing table. So earnest money, that's a deposit that you put on a contract when some, when someone accepts your offer. Appraisals, you have to pay for the home to see how much it's worth. Um, inspections tells you if there's something wrong with the home. Those are the things you're going to have to pay for out of your pocket. So you have to have some money. And on average, those things can be you know as little as $2,000 up. So you really have to save as much as you can, cut out as much as you can to have a savings. And then the other part of that is exactly what you said, debt to income. Um, debt to income ratio, for those who don't know, is in relation to how much you make monthly, your monthly income, uh, how much debt do you have? If you are making $3,000 a month, but all your bills are $5,000, a bank isn't trying to give you a mortgage <laughs> to add it. <income. laughs> Because you're already not able to pay that. So keeping your debts low. So that means, you know, if you don't have to have the latest car with the high car payment, you know, maybe settling for a car that you pay cash for that gets you where you need to go. But if, if getting a home, which is it can be an asset, you know, we talk about generational wealth and things like that and how these cars depreciate. And there's nothing wrong with having, you know, a nice car, anything like that. Don't want anyone to mistake that. But in relation to getting a home, if you can wait, get the car after um, credit cards, that utilization and running those cards up, that counts as debt. So keeping that paid down and keeping that low um, debt to income, I tell people, I call it the silent killer. You could have a perfect 850 credit score. So many people are focused, laser focused on their credit. They're working on credit for a year. They're working on it for two years. And they're like, boom, I'm finally to a 700, 800, put in an application. And we have to tell them, sorry, well, we can't get you approved for anything. Or I can only get you approved for $60,000. And they're like, but my credit score is an 850. What are you talking about? Debt to income tells them how much you can qualify for. That is actually what qualifies you for an amount. So a lot of people think it's the credit. It's not. The debt to income says, this is how much income I make a month. Um, and mortgage companies have a set amount. They really don't want you spending more than an average 30% of your monthly income on a mortgage. That lets them know that you have other disposal, disposable income to do other things. Now, that's like the average and there's different numbers, but that debt to income can really kill a deal. 
um, you know, things like student loans, car loans, um, personal loans, all of those things that report to your credit and that are debts, they're counted in there. And they want to make sure that if you have this mortgage, like the, the bank's job and the underwriters who approves the loan and denies them, their job for the bank is to make sure that you can comfortably pay this money back. Mm-hmm. And that, that we think that if we lend you this money, we can realistically get it back. If you already have, you're, you make $3,000 a month and you already are spending 2,500 in bills, like they're not really expecting that you can, you can handle a thousand or $1,500 mortgage payment. Cause where's it going to come from? Right. So savings and debt to income and credit, all of those things tie in together. Ooh, so many gems. I hope y'all got y'all notepad out, got y'all pen out because literally, like literally this is so much great information. And one powerful thing that you said, and I want everybody to, you know, hear this again. People are so focused on credit, but your debt to income ratio can kill a deal. So I want y'all, if you can avoid that debt, if you can avoid just, you know, anything that may hinder your process, your home buying process, please do so. Please do so as well as, you know, work on your credit and your savings. Definitely. Lisa, I'm gonna let you jump in here and I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna throw her a little, I'm gonna throw her a little assist really quick at Allie who can watch how she slam dunks it. So Lisa is able to do credit analysis for those people who who need that credit help. So I'll let you jump in and kind of tell them about that and what we have, what you can do there. Okay, so one thing that Legacy does is um, we provide mortgage credit report analysis. And what we try to do is we let you know what position you are in in your home buying journey. Um, We let you know if you're ready to purchase a home. We let you know if there are things on your report that may will need to be removed um, prior to submitting a home loan application. Um, One of the things we really focus on is the utilization. Um, And most people don't know that utilization bears such a heavy weight on your credit score. Um, And for mortgage loans, for home loan applications, we like to see that um, utilization at about 3%. Um, Lakeisha has done a lot of research and she's tried 10% and 6%. And what she's found is when you get your utilization down to about 3%, and that's going to include all of your um, revolving accounts for those of you who don't know, Um, Your revolving accounts are going to be your credit cards, um, your lines of credit. And so what we want to see is of the amount of available credit you have, the total amount that you have available, um, what we want to see is that utilization around 3% um, on each account, Lakeisha, or on all accounts? Um, Either or. Either or. So if you have 3% on all, the average of it will come out to 3% or you can pay all down to except one um, and then have 3% on one. But the basically the total or the opposite, if one is higher, but one is lower, it'll average out. So either or. Okay. Thank you for sharing that too, because I know we always preach like, keep it below 30%. But if y'all being mm-hmm. specific mm-hmm. about no, three percent or less like I feel like that can help people out so it can in in the mortgage world and, and that's what we we tell people is you know there's the general credit guidelines 
And then in the mortgage world, um, going from 30 to three can make it, it could be like the difference in like 20 points. And sometimes you're right there. You're at a 600 and you need a 620 and you're like, I'm at 30%. That's what people have been telling me. The mortgage credit scores, the mortgage algorithm for the mortgage FICO scores, for those who do not know, there are specific mortgage scores. So that's another piece. A lot of people don't know that those exist. Um, they don't know to monitor those. So they're looking at like credit karma or a lot of people have stepped up and they're like, no, I know my FICO scores now because I get it from my credit card or I get it from experience. None of those scores are your mortgage scores. And then you go pull your, you put your application in and um, you're like, I know my scores are, you know, 640, whatever. And then the lender pulls it and the lender says, you got a 572. And people are devastated. Like they get so discouraged. They're like, I, I did all this work. This said this. So first and foremost, there is a mortgage FICO score. Um, so you want to monitor those. As, as Lisa was speaking about, we focus on your mortgage scores. We focus on the things that make the mortgage scores increase. And when it comes to the mortgage score and its algorithm, 3% is the sweet spot. I love yes. that. From 30 to 3 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'm 30. 30 first, from 30 to three. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So now segueing into, we talked about the importance of mortgage lending. We talked about basically how you can get financially fit, what you need to prepare. So say for instance, someone um, has already like, or is interested in going through the home buying process. Like, do they have to live in, I know y'all said that y'all are living in the upstate do they have to be from the upstate to work with you all? Do they have to be in South Carolina? How can they get connected to you all and really like take advantage of what you have to offer? Um, so we are, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was about to say um, <laughs> for the mortgage credit report analysis, it does not matter where you live. Okay. Um, we provide that service to anyone and everyone who pulls their mortgage scores and sends them over to us. Um, we look at your credit report, we provide you an analysis and we provide you an action plan. Um, the action plan will be things that you need to work on to get qualified to um, for a mortgage. Um, but for that portion, you can be anywhere, but I'll let Lakeisha take the rest of it. Yes, and then, so right now we're only licensed in South Carolina. Um, we have pending New Jersey, Virginia, Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina. Um, we are literally just waiting for those. And anybody that is watching, please send us some uh, some approval vibes. Call the NMLS, you yes. know, get and pray. Cross your fingers, eyes, and toes and say, listen, we need them to get approved. Um, but all jokes aside, um, towards the end of the year, it's renewal period, like continuing education and all that. So when we started, uh, we started around November, we were like pending. So right now we're only licensed in South Carolina. The other states are pending. We're hoping, I, like I'm hoping right now I can get an email while we're on here. <laughs> but we're hoping because it started speeding up a lot. We've seen a lot of, um, a lot of um, things speeding up and happening hopefully by like February, March, those, those particular states, those five states will be approved. Um, and then we plan to, by the end of 2022, be licensed in all states. Now, the states that we are pending in, if someone um, would like to build, 
um, because new construction can can take it. Uh, normally, it's like six, seven months since COVID and since the influx in, in people buying homes um, is, is now eight to 12 months. But if someone wants to purchase a home and they want to build and do a new construction home, um, if it's like three months uh, or longer, they can go ahead, they can come over, you know, put in an application, let us let us look at everything and see. We just cannot close a deal in, in the state that we're not licensing, but we fully expect like in, in the next month, no more than like two months um, to be licensed in those states. And then once we have those uh, first five states, um, the next batch, uh, I believe is Alabama. Texas, New York, and California, and then just expanding, you know, four to five states at a time. So definitely um, LegacyLendingMG.com is our website. You'll see all of the beautiful ladies on there. Lisa, I think is like second or third on the list. So as you scroll, you guys will see Lisa there. Um, But it's an amazing group of women. We all, it's like a sisterhood. We're all positive. Um, everybody has the same amazing energy, like you guys see from Lisa, like it is just amazing. So whomever you reach out to and work with, um, like I said, hopefully 2022 ending will be licensed everywhere. I love it. And I'm here for the expansion. Like, I just love that so much. And one thing that I pride myself on with the responsible home girl is being the plug. So it's yeah. somebody that's listening right now and they're like, oh, shoot, I didn't even know like a mortgage loan officer does this. This may right. interest them. Can you tell them like if somebody is interested, what are the steps to becoming a mortgage loan officer? How can they get involved in helping more um, black and brown communities become homeowners? Um, so in a nutshell, the steps are you have to take a 20 hour pre-licensing course. I highly recommend Affinity. Um, Affinity Mortgage, I think it's Affinity Mortgage School. Is it Affinity Mortgage Training, Lisa? I th- yeah, I think it's Affinity MLO Training. MLO Training, okay. Yeah. Affinity MLO Training is is my my recommendation. Um, and then they have an exam prep course. After you complete those twenty hours, um, you have to pass an exam. That exam is like literally the devil, um, <laughs> but it is possible as, as we live and breathe here, you see that it is very possible. You have two people here who can speak that it's, it's possible, but just, you know, for lack of better words, it ain't no joke. Okay. <laughs> no, as long as you're determined and disciplined and you study, you usually, you know, you use the tools that were given in the pre-licensing. I highly recommend taking the exam prep. Um, the lady who created the course, our Trisha Woods is amazing. She breaks everything down. Um, so you take the pre-licensing, you take the uh, exam prep and take the exam. You have to pass with the 75 or better. It's like 120 questions on the exam um, and then get a 75 or better. Then from there, you find a sponsor, which is pretty much who you want to work for. Um, I am currently uh, training all of these beautiful ladies. So I am not currently taking anyone new, but we fully expect hopefully like around June, July of this year to be able to hire some new people. I specialize in training new loan officers. Um, so people who are new and, you know, don't know, um, I specialize in them cause they don't really have any bad habits to break. Mm-hmm. They don't really, you know, they don't really know like, 
Yeah, like they don't have bad habits. They kind of are, are more open, more receptive. And, and a lot of times, yeah, and, and very teachable and coachable. And, and believe me, like sometimes it blows my mind. I tell these ladies things and they're like, okay. And I'm like, y'all not going to question me or nothing. <laughs> So they literally, you know, are coachable, they're teachable, and you just don't find that as much with people who already have some skin in the game. So I, I, I like people who are, are new to it, really willing to learn. Um, but I even if, you know, not with, with myself and not with my company, finding a great sponsor is super important. Um, something to note, there is a background check and credit check that has to be done. Um, really just looking for felonies and more so like fraud because you are going to be dealing with people's most intimate information, their most personal information. So they don't allow anyone with any, any, um, thing tied to fraud and then felonies. They, they don't want you to have any felonies like within the past seven years. Um, but never if it has to do with fraud. So if you have any fraud type related, um, things going on, you cannot be a loan officer. Um, other than that, if you have a felony and it's over, over seven years, you usually are okay. And it's up to the regulator. Um, credit scares people cause they hear a credit check for the most part. They really just want to make sure you don't have like judgments and liens and stuff like that. Some States it's statewide. Some States won't want you to have collections or charge offs. I will say South Carolina has been the, the biggest one that I've seen. That's like really strict on that. Most other States I've seen, they kind of, they don't care. They don't look at a credit score and it's a soft check, but it, it's statewide and South Carolina specifically is the one that's like, listen, and, and you know, some people are like, well, why do I have to do that? But they feel if you're going to be talking to people about being financial fit, financially fit about their credit, things like that, you should kind of be able to talk it how you walk it, you know? So um, those are pretty much the things. Once you do those things, you find a great sponsor super important to interview people, make sure they work with your communication style, make sure they're not just trying to sell you, get you in the game. Um, a lot of people always ask about pay. That's their first thing. Definitely make sure it's somebody that's willing to train you. I would recommend taking the lower pay for someone who is, is there to train and coach and mentor you than someone that's willing to pay you to max, but they're never there. And you can't get that because the business is brutal. So finding someone who's available, who's willing to train and being there. And from there, um, biggest tip I can give is uh, promote yourself. Even before you're a loan officer, even before you start the courses, getting out there, telling people what you're trying to do. And we, we need good, honest loan officers. But even more than that, um, I'm going to preface this with, I say this, I, I am, am, am not anti-white or any other color or any other race. I'm just super pro-black and I'm super pro-black female. Absolutely. And we need black females, black people, black females, people of color in general, but more specifically in the lending world, black females are the minority. And that's really what prompted me to say, I, I want people to know that we can do this. Right. Um and, you know, going out and doing it and making sure that you're with a great company and showing people that it's, it's possible is definitely the biggest thing. Yes, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing all of that stuff and all of the amazing people who are listening to this right now. Earlier, Lakeisha said anybody can probably count on both of their hands how many real estate agents they know. I feel like going into these future years, it needs to be like a surge of more black loan officers, period. Mm -hmm. 
because like mm-hmm. I said earlier, a deal cannot close unless you got cash, just, you know, chilling. Right. You need a mortgage loan <laughs> officer. Mm-hmm. Like emphasis on the need. Emphasis yes. On the need. So if you are um, listening to this and you like what they have talked about and you are passionate about helping more people um, kind of like experience their homes of home ownership, help them accomplish their goals, then I would definitely, definitely, definitely suggest you take their recommendations and take their tips. So ladies, before we close out, does any of you have anything that you want to leave with my community? Um, any words of wisdom, financial advice, anything about mortgage lending before we close out? Um, one thing I would say um, to kind of piggyback off of what Lakeisha said, um, yes, we need more Black loan officers, but I'd like to put it out there. It's very rewarding. Um, you think about it, home ownership is one of the biggest, per- like it's one of the biggest journeys that a consumer in our market will take. It's one of the biggest purchases Uh, We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Um, It's one of the biggest purchases that anybody is going to make. And to be able to guide someone from point A and get them all the way to Z and to um, see them walk into their home, walk into their destiny, walk into their journey um, and accomplish the thing that they've been working for so hard for so long. Um, it's very rewarding. So I would definitely extend, um, if you have any interest, please reach out. If you are going through the process mm-hmm. of becoming a law officer, if you, um, we talked about affinity, but if you need the um, link to the course or the exam prep, I highly recommend it as she does. Um, if you need any of that information, please reach out because the more the merrier for our community. My goal is to help the community buy back the community. Yeah. Um, we have so many. I will not knock real estate investors. I love real estate investors. I prefer when they buy and flip and sell back to the community. Right. Um, but I, I prefer to have the community by their own community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that looks like is getting you ready for home ownership. If you want to own a home, we want to put you in it, mm-hmm. basically. And that's, that's it's just as simple as that. If you want to start and if you're interested in going on a journey, we will be there. We will hold you accountable until you get there. You work with us, we work with you and we give you those action plans and we get you as close to that journey as we possibly can yes yes and i want loan officers to become so normalized that people pick up the mm-hmm. phone and call them like they call a real estate agent yes you know what i'm saying like i want us <laughs> to educate them that much so that they can know that like a loan officer is a integral part of this process period and yes a real estate agent can refer to their preferred lender but i just think that that would be you know so powerful to have that relationship I agree. I agree. I think loan officers should be your best friend through the process. Um, That's another thing we're promoting. People don't know that. They know, again, they think realtor. So a lot of times they ask realtor lender questions. Um, And some realtors are just so good and so passionate at what they do that they'll try and answer them for them. And that's not knocking them. That's just them trying to be that all for their clients because they're so passionate. But lending questions really should be extended to to your lender. You really shouldn't even do anything 
during the process, like not even blink without calling your lender and being like, hey, I I, I just got some new lashes. I'm trying to blink this weekend. How's that going to affect me? (laughs) But really, they should be your best friend. And I think people should know. And, And honestly, something else I'll throw out there really, you should go to the loan officer before you go to the realtor, because the loan officer is who tells you your purchasing power. So without knowing that you could, you know, be potentially out here looking at three, $400 homes, but you only qualify for 120 and $120,000 home is not going to meet your expectations that you've seen on this three and 400,000 home. So the loan officer should really be where you start. They should be your best friend. We are counselors, we are teachers, you know, we're, we're loan officers, all of that rolled into one because in the group of ladies that I have, they share my passion for it. We really have a passion and a will and a want to educate and see people do it. Like I tell everybody, if I was rich, I would probably still do this because it does my heart well when I get to see someone you know, that comes and they never even thought that home ownership was possible or they, you know, didn't know or a family member got a home and, and they were like, well, if, if they can and they told me to come to you, I don't really know that I can, but I'm going to just and to get them from there and see them at closing day signing that paperwork for something that they they never even thought possible is just the best feeling in the world. And that is what we're trying to do. That's what we want. So people knowing that we're out there and we're available and that's what we do is is just, you know, amazing to get to get that. So definitely thank you for giving us this platform to be able to reach people and tell them. So I think what you're doing is amazing. Thank y'all so much. I really appreciate all of the gems. Like I always tell y'all listening to my podcast, take the notes, but take action. And I don't care if you are 23, 25, 33, 35, it does not matter. There's going to come a time where you want to stop renting and you want to own. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not today or if it's not tomorrow, these tips are going to help you. So take notes, take action, watch this two times. And like I always tell y'all, share this with your homegirls, share this with your homeboys, because we do not level up alone, period. We don't level up alone. So don't just hoard all this information. Make sure you share this episode with somebody. And last but not least, always remember with exposure, execution, and consistency, there is nothing you can't do. See y'all on the next episode. Bye, guys. On March 19th, it is going to be our very first Saturday school, and I'm teaching how I make thousands off of a product that I don't own by wholesaling mobile homes. Work smarter and not harder, because if you can learn from my mistakes, you are expediting your process. Make sure you meet us in the class on March 19th. There are only 20 seats available. It's in the class. Get in the class. Thank y'all again so much for tuning in to this Possible Homegirl podcast. If you are listening on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Comment what stuck out to you today. What are you going to take away? Do you have any questions? Anything that comes to mind, comment it below because I want to be more engaged and I want to interact with you. So that can help me and it can also help you. Number two, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate us. I mean, I believe we are a five-star podcast, and I believe that other people need to know that as well. Give us a rating, please. Um, Give us a review. 
And what I want to start doing is actually reading reviews so that I can just create a more engaged community. So as y'all help me out, I'll be shouting y'all out. I'm so, 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 so grateful for each and every one of you that keeps tuning in. Not one time, but two times. That's big. That is big, big, big. I love y'all so much. 